Free contraception for all BC residents, more funding for mental health addictions, and finally that long-promised renter's rebate. But also, the carbon tax is going up, way up, and there's record-breaking capital spending for transportation investments. The surplus of last year looks like right now a thing of the past. For next year, a forecast of a more than $4 billion deficit and a further $3 billion for 2025-2026. Now, that's just a snapshot of what we heard about this year's B.C. budget presented yesterday. So why these choices? What kind of path is B.C. on? Well, joining us now to talk about that is Katrina Conroy, B.C.'s finance minister. Thank you very much for joining us. Great to be here, Simi. Good morning. Good morning. Let's let's start, first of all, with the idea of the deficit. So why the deficits? What happened? Well, we're being pragmatic. You know, we're, we have a prudent forecast. We have uh, prudent forecasters in our, in our ministry as well as with the Economic Forecast Council that provides us independent uh, analysis. Also, the, the Bank of Canada is saying the same thing. But, you know, we, we also know, and, and I have to keep reminding people, um, that the surplus has to be spent by year-end. Um, anything that's not spent by year-end um, goes on the debt, which is a good thing. We're, you know, I'm... I'm rather uh, frugal myself and I think we need to put money on our debt but we also need to invest in people and that's what this budget is about. What about the criticism from businesses that say there's nothing in there for them there's no growth strategies in here? Well, we actually have been supporting business, businesses quite a bit. Uh, we have one of the lowest uh, business taxes in, in the country. Um, and one of the things that we're doing is, is by investing in people, by making things more affordable for people, they're spending their money with local businesses. You know, they're investing in businesses. They're, you know, they're not uh, going on offshore vacations or anything crazy. They are investing right back in the community. And, and some of the things that we've done, I mean, I think that, Simi, the, the, our child care plan, I mean, we're in year five of a 10-year plan. Um, the, the BC Chamber of Commerce has been asking for a, an accessible, affordable child care pa- plan for years, from way back when I was an advocate before I was an MLA. And that's exactly what we're doing. And actually, 75% of the growth rate of the people entering the, the labor market are women. And it's directly attributed to our childcare. And, and we know from businesses that labor is their biggest issue. And we keep hearing that, that they can't get people to work. And so we're doing a number of initiatives that will help them find those people to work for them and to get the skills they need to work. What would you classify as the biggest priorities in this budget? What do you want people to take away from this? I want people to take away that they're, we're there for them. We've got their back. You know, times, times are tough. And we recognize that. So we have a number of affordability issues. And, you know, we've been criticized by saying that, you know, there are small amounts here and there. But when you add them all up, they add up for people. And, and you, know, you mentioned the free contraceptive. I can't tell you, Simi, how many comments. They could. We knew it was going to be important to people, but I had no idea how many people, whether it's, it's um, like even my own granddaughter emailed me and said, oh, my God, Granny, this is amazing. I mean, it is uh, it, it is really uh, going to make a difference for people, and those little things add up. You know, our affordability, um, the affordability benefit. You know, we're adding another one in April. The BC Family Benefit. You know, we're we're increasing that, and we're adding up to five hundred dollars for single families because we know how you know how tough it can be. So putting that all together, it, it adds up and it helps people. And I think you know, I haven't had anybody complain to me about the hundred dollar credit on their power bills. In fact, a lot of people have commented on how it just came at the right time to help. Them. So all those things add up. Right. But let's talk about the other side of that ledger. A lot of criticism about the carbon tax increase, increased by 37 cents a litre by the end of the decade. Like, Do, do you think that's sustainable for people? 
Well, what we're doing is we're actually increasing the climate action tax credit. And, and just to be clear, we're, we're increasing the, the carbon tax to meet federal requirements. So it starts $15 a year this year, and, and it'll go up to 170 by um, 2030. But when we do the analysis, it, we feel that uh, people will get more from the climate action, action tax credit, the majority of people. Um, we feel like probably over about 70% of the province will get more from the climate action tax credit than they'll actually be paying in, in carbon tax. And, and a reminder that if a family of four made... Uh, got $500 last year on the climate action tax credit, they'll actually get $900, up to $900 starting in July. So we're, we're very cognizant of, of that issue. Okay. And what about the healthcare issues here? Like talking about that mental health and addictions plan there, it goes far, but do you think it goes far enough? Well, it's, it's definitely a start, and, and I think it does go far. I mean, our focus is on more treatment and recovery beds. And, and to start talking about the fact that, that mental health and addiction is health care, and we have to be there to support people, and we have to make sure that when people reach up, out when they need help with addictions, with mental health, you know, they usually go to a primary care center first or to a primary doctor. When they reach out to that person, we need the care for them. You know, we need those treatment beds. We need the recovery beds. We, we need a, a seamless model of care for people and to support them on the recovery journey. And, and, and that's what we're going to do. What about the user fees? And I know this plan doesn't go as far as, say, the BC Liberal plan. Are there things in there that you would still like to get done? Well, of course. I mean, we can always do more. And with the initial uh, almost 200 beds that we're bringing in, those beds will be will, will not have a fee attached to them. And and we're going to be expanding the Redfish model, which is a great model of care in, in um, Coquitlam. Um, we're looking at how we can expand that across the province. And it's a, it's a seamless model of care. So when you go in, you get that, you know, the detox, treatment, recovery, and it, and it supports you through your entire journey. And we're looking at how we can do that in, in other communities, and Minister Whiteside will be announcing more on that soon. All right, so there's no user fees for the new beds, but what about the existing mm-hmm. beds? Well, those are our fees that come through the um, the IHA, but we also are the not, I'm from the Kootenays, that's that's a habit from the health authorities. But but we also um, and we also <clears throat> excuse me, we also have um, support for people who can't afford it or who need uh, waivers. That they are in place. Okay, so then there's also a lot of I think padding built into this budget as well. Like you, you forecast deficits for, deficits for the next couple of years, though. Do you can you see that changing? Like, what would it take to get BC back to a balanced budget? Well, we're working towards that. <coughs> excuse me, uh, excuse me, Simi. We're working towards that. We recognize that you know people want to see a balanced budget eventually. But what we learned during the the pandemic is people are also okay with a bit of a deficit if we're spending on people, if we're investing in people in this province. And and we showed that during the pandemic, we could invest in people and we could could incur a bit of a deficit, but we still had one of the strongest economies in Canada. So I think that it's really important to invest in people, to make sure we're there for them, and, and that's what we're doing with this budget. Do you foresee a bumpy road ahead in terms of the economic forecast for BC? Well, all of the the signs, and, and we've talked, we met, we had a, a presentation from uh, Tiff McClellan, the uh, Board of Canada Governor in, in Toronto, and I was there with the federal, provincial, and territorial uh, finance ministers, and and he, along with a number of forecasters, agree that it, you know it's, it's going to be a bit of a, a road this year, but it's going to balance out by next year. So by being there for people, being in their corners, supporting them this year, we can look forward to better times next year. But I think you know we. 
I think that the, the uh, finance, you know, the, the forecasters or economic forecasters are always a bit uh, small C conservative and, and very prudent, which is a good thing. And, and so they should be. How would you describe yourself on that one? I'm frugal. Uh, people ask me if I went and bought new shoes for the for the budget, as was tradition for finance ministers, and, and I said no. I'm too frugal. I've got a perfectly good pair of shoes. I polished them, so <laughs> I, I am frugal. So yes. all right. But but some of the things that we're doing, I think, is you know those little things that I said have made su- will make such an impact. One of the things that hasn't been mentioned is the increase of supports for foster families which I think is incredible. I mean, it, it's just for my, for my, I was Minister of Children and Families, and to be able to increase foster parents' support substantially makes such a difference for the support that they're giving to those incredibly vulnerable children and youth in our province. So little things like that that are so really important. Well, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you, Simi. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's Katrina Conroy, BC's Minister of Finance, talking about BC's budget. If you want to weigh in, Simi at cknw.com. We will be getting business reaction as well coming up after the 7.30 news. We'll speak to the BC Chamber of Commerce about the budget, what they liked, what they didn't like about it. So that is ahead. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.